Hack. Hey, it's Dave Marchese. This is the Hack Podcast. The vaping crackdown. It started. Millions of dollars worth of disposable vapes have been seized. The government says it's showing that their plan to get young people off vapes is working. Is it, though? Because we're going to be exploring this a bit later, why the health minister's cheering today, but some experts are saying it's just the beginning of a vaping organised crime boom. We'll get your thoughts on it as well. Later, why going for a nice peaceful walk with nature with your phone might actually be damaging your mood, doing bad things. First, though, the duck hunting story that's turned into a doctored image scandal making headlines around the world. Hack, furious about the lack of change to the duck hunting laws. On Triple Jack. Yeah, when an inquiry in Victoria last year recommended duck hunting in the state be banned, animal advocates were pretty confident it would happen. Because the inquiry found there were real animal welfare issues around duck hunting and it's already been banned in a few states, including WA, New South Wales, Queensland. And the inquiry was launched by the Victorian Labor government, so they were pretty confident. It came as a massive surprise to many yesterday when Victoria's government announced duck hunting wasn't being banned. Instead, the government said it did want to make it more sustainable, though. One of those who wasn't impressed by this was Georgie Purcell, an animal justice MP in Victoria, also the youngest woman in Victoria's parliament and a regular here on Hack. Now, she's been speaking out about it over the past day, but this story's taken another disturbing turn when Georgie started getting trolled intensely online for speaking out. And now Georgie says part of that involved one of Australia's biggest news organisations using a doctored image of her that's been spread by trolls. It's a crazy turn of events. In a minute, we're going to speak to Georgie about all of this. But first, here's Ellie Grounds to bring you up to speed. But we accept that uh, hunting is a legitimate activity that many thousands of Victorians uh, enjoy and we want to make it safe, responsible and sustainable. Duck hunting is a hot, hot issue in Victoria. People have been campaigning for and arguing against it being banned for years. And yesterday, the Victorian government finally made up its mind. Here's Environment Minister Steve Demopoulos. Today we're confirming there'll be no change to the government's stance on native duck hunting. If you're thinking, okay, the government must have acted on some advice that supports duck hunting continuing, well, you'd be wrong. A parliamentary inquiry last year actually recommended it be banned. To a majority of the committee, it was clear that Victoria should end recreational native bird hunting on all public and private land from 2024. That inquiry got more than 10,000 submissions, by far the most submissions any Victorian parliamentary committee has ever received. And it's just as divisive inside Parliament as it is for the public. Even Labor MPs within the government have opposing views on it. My position on duck hunting is well known and I don't support it and I don't intend to support it. There are many things um, that I don't enjoy personally. Duck hunting is one of them. But I can't sit here to tell Victorians how to live their lives. I am fundamentally opposed to duck hunting. In the scheme of parliamentary inquiries, this one was kind of unusual. The government actually set it up itself and lots of politicians from all sides expected it would follow its recommendations. Jacinta Allen should have just sided with us in the first place. Um, She's wasted a lot of parliamentary time. And it's like an own goal for them to ignore the advice of experts and the community because what they're left with is... uh, 
community support growing to ban this barbaric practice of duck shooting, expert evidence growing that we need to ban this practice for the sake of our wildlife uh, and the future of our environment. And the government is going against all that advice and community support. In the end, the government only ignored one recommendation. And uh, implement uh, at least uh, seven of the eight recommendations of the parliamentary committee. So recommendations two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight either in part or in full. But the one they did ignore was the one to ban hunting. Here's Victorian Premier Jacinta Allen. So we absolutely uh, carefully considered the inquiry and the details in its report. On recommendation number one, there was no consensus coming out of the committee on that recommendation. And uh, we have uh, considered that considered the government's existing policy and will stay with that government's existing policy setting on this matter with accepting the remaining recommendations that uh, sees that it remains a safe, sustainable and responsible activity. Some of the key issues raised in the report were animal welfare concerns, wounding and killing of threatened bird species and a major problem with shooters actually complying with hunting rules. The Environment Minister says the government is going to change the rules to make them stronger including by bringing in tougher penalties, requiring more training and banning the use of lead shot in some cases. And some of the, the most egregious parts of those, and they were to do with both some hunters' behaviour, hunter culture, but also some hunters' proficiency. And proficiency has been proven to be one of the best um, mitigating factors for animal welfare concerns. Duck hunting is already banned in Queensland, New South Wales and Western Australia. So why has Victoria decided to continue allowing it? Well, as always in politics, you have to consider the people who vote for you. The state government was also facing union threats to strike if the sport was banned. Labor strategists have warned that banning duck hunting could risk alienating traditional blue-collar suburban voters. Hack on Triple J. Ellie Grounds with that story. We've got some messages coming through. Someone says, unfortunately, there's a low percentage of vocal hunters who shoot any wetland bird who ruin it for legitimate people who eat them. Someone's opinion there. Someone else, Daniel, says, without duck hunting, a lot of small country towns would collapse due to a lack of income. Interesting takes. Well, let's get into it a bit more with someone who's been leading the fight against duck hunting in Victoria, Georgie Purcell, an Animal Justice Party MP. She's with us now. G'day, Georgie. Thanks for coming on Hack. G'day. Thanks for having me on. It's been a huge 24 hours for you. You've actually described it as the worst day at work you've had so far. I'm going to get into a bit of why in a bit, the trolling part of this. But first, the duck hunting situation. How surprised were you that the Victorian government didn't ban this practice? Look, I was stunned. I was completely stunned, particularly because they established this parliamentary inquiry themselves. It's very, very rare that they do that. It's normally the crossbench or the opposition. The government also chaired this inquiry and that gave us all hope that they were ready and willing to act. And I think it's absolutely a slap in the face to the over 10,000 people who engaged in the process in good faith, believing we would finally get the outcome that our native wildlife deserves. What do you say to those people, some of whom have already messaged in and have said it's a small number of people doing the wrong thing that are the problem. It's not all duck hunters. How do you respond to that? Yeah, look, fundamentally, I just don't agree with that. But the reality is, no matter how good of a duck shooter you are, our parliamentary inquiry found, and this was agreed on by shooters, that you can never, ever stop wounding. And that is when birds are shot 
and maimed, but ultimately not killed. And they're left to suffer and die uh, ultimately from infection, predation or drowning. Now, no proficiency testing can stop that. No new resourcing can stop that. No, no compliance efforts can stop that. And what astonishes me is that the government has recognised this, but they're not bringing in their reforms until 2025. So it just means that this year we'll have another season of chaos. So what does this mean for your fight against this? Like, have you been speaking to the Premier or the Minister involved, the Outdoor Recreation and Environment Minister, about what happens from here? Yeah, look, I am deeply offended uh, at the way the government handled this. We have had a long-running productive and proactive relationship that I hoped would continue. And uh, despite them not banning duck shooting, I've been deeply disappointed uh, with their engagement uh, with me on this topic. Uh, I've barely heard from them since yesterday. I'm hopeful that we'll be able to uh, commence those conversations again. But uh, for now, this fight just isn't over. It's going to be longer than I thought it was going to be, uh, but that won't stop us. We are emboldened. We're ready to go out on the wetlands. I've been a duck rest 10 years now. And what I saw out there on my very first week, uh, opening weekend was actually what compelled me to want to get elected in the first place to finally end it. And I believe we will do that one day. Georgie, we've got people supporting you on the text line. We've also got someone here saying duck hunting is necessary for farmers so they don't overpopulate and eat all our crops. What, what do you say to that argument that they need to be culled? Yeah, look, I uh, don't agree with that either. That is a rhetoric that is false that the shooters love to spin. But what I would say is that always in Victoria, we have a system for farmers called the Authority to Control Wildlife wildlife Permit System. Now, shooters, uh, farmers can take out a permit at any time for their crops. In Victoria, we don't have rice crops uh, like New South Wales does where ducks congregate and still New South Wales has banned duck shooting. This is a recreational season and uh, that is all it is. It is not for so-called pest control. It's not for farm management. It is for fun. It is a thrill kill on our native wildlife and it's appalling that we continue it here in Victoria. We call ourselves the progressive state. We've got some more messages coming through. Someone says, I've attended these duck hunts in Victoria as an animal rights activist and can assure you there's nothing safe, humane or sustainable about this. It's a bunch of thugs with a thirst for blood. That's someone's opinion there. Another person says, you absolute legend, Georgie. Keep fighting for them, really throwing their support behind you. This is Hack. I'm Dave Marchese. I'm speaking with Victorian animal justice MP Georgie Purcell about duck hunting in Victoria, the state government's decision not to ban it there. It's a story that's blown up and it took another turn today, Georgie, because you announced you've been on the receiving end of some really intense trolling because of your position on this. Can I ask, what kind of messages have you been receiving? Yeah, look, I have regularly received uh, death threats, uh, violent messages, uh, sexist and misogynistic comments from duck shooters and their supporters. It's something that's been happening to to me since I got elected and particularly throughout the inquiry. In fact, they even photoshopped an image of my head being blown off during that process. But yesterday emboldened them. They were doing a victory lap and they were taking it out on me. Uh, and I think it just goes to show uh, how sexist and misogynistic this cohort of people can be, not all of them, but a disturbing amount. And the government has backed them in yesterday. There's also this picture of you that's made headlines around the world. Like I saw this BBC (laughs) article about it from a few hours ago and what it looks like is Nine News Melbourne has used this picture of you that appears to have been doctored. It's, you know, made your breasts look bigger, exposed your midriff. 
What was your reaction when you saw that? Yeah, look, on that, I actually saw it on the news last night and then I immediately saw it afterwards in a shooter's group that's with the comment, get back on the pole, Georgie, uh, drawing on my past as a stripper, which I'm absolutely not ashamed of. Um, But I was shocked. I mean, I'm the only young woman that has struggled with body image, but it's particularly confronting seeing your body altered on the news. And, you know, they've given me abs, my stomach isn't tattooed, and they've given me a boob job. And what I would say is this is just not something that would happen to a male politician and we need to do better. Why do you think it's been done? Look, uh, Channel 9 are blaming it on an AI failure. There's numerous um, uh, graphic designers and digital agencies and even Adobe saying today that they don't think it's possible. Uh, But at the end of the day, we need to consider how this went unchecked for me. I'm pretty sure that even if it was an AI fail, uh, if it spat out a picture of our Premier Jacinta Allen in a crop top, it would have been picked up on. So why did it not happened for me. Yeah, I just want to read out the statement that came from the director of Nine News in Melbourne. It says, I'd like to sincerely apologise to Georgie Purcell for a graphic error that occurred in last night's bulletin. Our graphics department sourced an online image of Georgie to use in our story on duck hunting. As is common practice, the image was resized to fit our specs. And during that process, the automation by Photoshop created an image that was not consistent with the original. Now, a lot of people have a problem with that. Like you mentioned, Adobe, the big company uh, that specialises in this kind of um, image manipulation, creation, put a statement out and they told Hack any changes to this image would have required human intervention and approval, which is pretty damning. What kind of impact has all of this had on you? Because like I said, you did. I saw on your social media, you described it as the worst day you've had at work so far. Yeah, look, yesterday was the worst day I've had at work so far because of the duck decision and it was worsened by what happened afterwards with the image editing fail. My biggest concern is the message that this sends to young women and girls who might want to enter public life. The way we are treated is appalling and, you know, we receive commentary about our bodies, our image, um, just stuff that male MPs don't get. And I don't want people to look at my experiences who have a valuable contribution to make the public public life and be deterred. And that's exactly why I made the decision to call it out. Have you had a lot of support? I've had a outpouring of love and support from many people, as you said, around the world. Um, And that, you know, that really um, makes it all worth it. Well, look, it's definitely a a huge story that's blown up. Um, I'm sure you didn't want to be at the centre of it, but we appreciate you coming on Hack and, and explaining it to us. Not just that, but your stance on the duck hunting situation as well. Animal Justice Party MP Georgie Purcell, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Dave. I always love chatting to you. And we've got some more messages coming through. Brendan says, look, I come from a rural area in South Gippsland and believe duck numbers need to be controlled as they can ruin crops for farmers, costing them thousands of dollars. Common sense prevails for once. That was Brendan's thought there. Another person says, I email my local member yearly about banning this. People should do the same. Ben in Mildura says, we don't call it the progressive state. We call it the nanny state. That's Ben's opinion. And somebody else says, take up bat hunting. Get rid of some of those useless critters. Well, you might have um, some people having a bit to say about that as well. Look, there's so much on this story. We'll keep you across it as there are developments. Now, time to move on. Hack. And then someone invented the flavour watermelon and now there's 300 tonnes of vapes at the border waiting to get into the year one formal. On Triple J. Do you vape? 
Are you a big vapor? Maybe you've never tried it. Maybe it's something you do on a night out occasionally when you're out for a drink or you find you're really addicted. Well, either way, you're going to be affected by this huge federal government crackdown that we have talked about a lot on Hack over the past few months. Came into effect this year and today... There was a graphic new health campaign that started rolling out in some parts of the country. Also, the health minister announcing a big seizure of vapes, of what was legal, you know, a few months ago and now isn't. Millions of dollars worth. And he was really claiming this as a win. I want to know what you think about this, though. Do you think this government crackdown on vaping is going to work? Have you found it harder to get your hands on a vape? Message in 0439757555. First, here's Joe Lauder with a bit of an update on what's happened today. Rushed me to hospital and, yeah, straight into the emergency room. I really did think I was going to die. If I knew what I knew now, I wouldn't have picked up the vape. It's pretty hectic, hey? This is the New South Wales government's new ad campaign about vaping, and it's got real young people who've had serious health problems from vaping, like pneumonia. I just woke up, like, gasping for air. And I'm coughing black stuff into a tissue. And addiction. I think I was having a hit of it every 10 seconds. It's insidious. You won't realise that you'll get hooked on it. I think it's easy to to move from a place where you're like, oh, I only use them on Friday nights, and then, oh, I never buy my own. And then all of a sudden you're finding, oh, that 5,000 puff vape I bought, It didn't last me the week. Becky Freeman is an Associate Professor of Public Health at the University of Sydney, and she was an expert advisor for that ad campaign. She's leading the Generation Vape study that tracks all things related to young people and vaping, like how they buy vapes and their attitudes to vaping and quitting. Since I started this study, Becky says vaping has exploded. So we have 11% of 18 to 24-year-olds in our Generation Vape study who say they were using a vape every day. Far more young people are telling us that they vape when they're either stressed or anxious. And to me, that's the first real sort of red flag that people are becoming addicted to these products, that they need nicotine to feel calm, to feel normal. And more and more, people are looking to kick the habit. You know, we'd ask about quitting in the early days of this study and people be like, why do I need to quit something that's not a problem? Or, oh, I only do this socially as if I would think about quitting. And now we see a significant number. So of the current vapors in our study, about a quarter of them are planning to quit within the next six months. And 16% are planning to quit in the next 30 days. It's got the federal government worried as well. Vaping was sold to the global community, including to the community here in Australia, as a therapeutic good, uh, a therapeutic product that would help hardened smokers kick the habit. A few years into this experiment now, we understand that that was not really the intention of the tobacco industry at all. At the start of the month, it banned the importation of disposable vapes. Today, the Federal Health Minister, Mark Butler, got in front of TV cameras with the first haul of vapes that Border Force agents have seized. The first phase of our anti-vaping measures are to choke off that supply. Just in the first four weeks of that ban, ABF has been able to seize quarter of a million disposable vapes. That is a lot of vapes, apparently $7.4 million worth. But the Border Force Assistant Commissioner, Chris Waters, didn't want to give away their trade secrets for detecting them. Suffice to say that we've used some techniques and our systems to identify this consignment. I don't really want to go into too much detail of 
how we found it. Now they have to work out how to get rid of them. It has lithium batteries, it's got harmful chemicals, it's got glass, it's got plastics. We're approaching the market at the moment to work out a safe way of disposing <laughs> these vapes, but it really does uh, highlight that vapes are both dangerous for the individual, but they're also really bad for the environment. The Health Minister stressed today that this is just the first step in the federal government's crackdown. In March, they're banning the importation of all vapes except therapeutic ones. And he's also looking to ban the sale of vapes. I will also introduce laws to the parliament that will make it illegal to sell or supply vapes other than through that therapeutic pathway. This is a really important one because if I wanted to, it would take me five minutes to get up and go buy a vape. Becky Freeman from the University of Sydney says that's because until this next law is introduced, there's still a big loophole. Legally, if you purchase a vape from, say, a petrol station or a convenience store and you're over age 18, legally you are allowed to purchase a non-nicotine-containing vape. And legally that's what they're allowed to sell. But we know that's not what's happening. Nobody wants a non-nicotine vape. Nobody wants to sell a non-nicotine vape. Becky says shutting down that loophole will really have an impact. I understand why we needed to have these steps put in place that, you know, first you turn off the source of the issue. But until we also ban the sale of them, I'm concerned we're not going to see a lot of changes. So these measures need to be done quickly and urgently. You're listening to Hack on Triple J. Joe Lauder with that story. And yeah, interesting to hear what experts are saying. We're going to have a chat maybe with the health minister later this week. We'll be able to get his take as well. A lot of you on the text line are messaging in. Hugo says, I gave up vaping this year and it was so incredibly difficult. The nicotine content is so high and I found myself panicking. If I felt my vape running out or I couldn't find it, I'd wake up in the middle of the night looking for my vape, needing a hit. Quitting was so hard hoping I can stick to it. Kate says, yeah, my usual vape store in a shopping centre now tells me to put it in my pocket every time I buy one. I've been going to him for ages now and suddenly he's gotten all sus about selling them, which is interesting. Someone else says, it went zero dark 30 for a few months on the vape scene, but they seem to be back. It turned me back to smoking cigarettes in the interim, which is another thing we've been hearing a lot about. Let's go to someone on the line now. Josh is with us. G'day, Josh. Are you a vapor? What's been your experience? Hey, g'day, mate. Yeah, I am an absolute severe vapor. I, um, yeah, I wake up in the middle of the night. I'll do it about six times, once every hour at least. So does my girlfriend. And you can get them easier than ever. They're not banned. They're always illegal. So you're you're waking up in the middle of the night to vape and then going back to sleep? Yeah, definitely. Wow. And yeah. are, you, are you worried about what's happening? You're saying it's easier than ever to get them. Yeah, but the government's... I'm, I'm, Sorry. I'm absolutely worried. Sorry, yeah, you go. No, uh, the government's saying it's it's going to be hard soon. Like we spoke to the health minister a little while ago, and he was like, "Oh no, it might be easy now, but it won't be in the long run." So it's freaking I you out. I oh, I hope they get banned because I know they're not good for me, and like they're just not ideal. I'll continue to vape as long as I can get them. I'm going to get one now. Oh, Josh, don't go get one. Don't go I know, get I one. I should just keep driving. Oh, Josh. Mine just flashed. Mine flashed and my, so did the life before my eyes as uh, soon as I saw the flash. Hey, I'll leave you to it. Thanks for calling in, Josh. Appreciate your thoughts on that. Another one from Riley in Burwood. He says vapes are still really prevalent and way too easy to buy. Can literally find them at many service stations, let alone vape shops. Yeah, going to be interesting to keep following this one. 
it's going to be a big story this year, so we'll keep you across it. Hack. Even when we think we're relaxing, we're like plugging into technology. On Triple J. Do you ever go for a walk without your phone? I'm talking just you and nature, not listening to a podcast, not listening to music, not checking your messages, not scrolling. Maybe you got into the hot girl walk trend, TikTok influencers encouraging you to get out, think of nothing else except how hot you are. Hack. Pretty girls walk like this. Let's go on a hot girl walk. What is a hot girl walk? To me, it's my daily 45-minute walk. And yes, this is the same shirt I wore yesterday for my hot girl walk. It's still sweaty. A hot girl walk is about building confidence so that you know you can achieve anything you set your mind to. Hey, what's up, King? Join me as I go on a hot guy walk. This, Kings, is where we go around and we gas up everybody we see mentally, but we don't say nothing. In 2024, we are going on non-stimulated walks. People like listening to podcasts, but I challenge you to be alone with your thoughts and see who you meet. So take this as a sign to go on a little walk right now. I really recommend. I feel so good. On Triple J. Yeah, hot girl walks, silly little walks, little mental health walks, whatever you call them. They sound healthy, positive. But an article caught my attention recently when it was talking about how walking while you're scrolling on your phone can actually put you in a bad headspace. It can poison your moods, the article was saying. And I found that really interesting. I'm wondering if you have also found this. Like, do you actively leave your phone at home when you want to connect with nature, when you want to clear your head, go for a walk? Do you feel that puts you in a better mood? Message in 0439757555. I thought we'd talk to one of the researchers in this article who's looked into it. Elizabeth Broadbent is a professor of health psychology at the University of Auckland in New Zealand. She's with us now. G'day, Elizabeth. Thank you very much for joining us on Hack. Oh, it's a pleasure. Can you explain what your research has found about the impacts of walking while using your phone? Yeah, we found that when we asked people to either walk um, while looking at their mobile phone or to walk without looking at their mobile phone, those people who walked with their mobile phone, they walked more slowly. They had a more stooped posture, so more bent neck angle, and they also felt less positive in terms of their mood and less connected to nature than people who were walking without looking at their phone. I guess it does make sense. The physical consequences make sense. What I'm interested in, though, is the mood. How how does that work? Do we know what's going on in your mind when you're using your phone? What changes in your brain? Yeah, so there are a couple of different possibilities. So one possibility is that because it affects your posture, it also affects your mood. So we know that people who are depressed, who've got major depression, tend to have a more stooped posture. And we also know that from studies where we randomise people to sit in a more stooped position or sit more upright, the people who we ask to sit more stooped, this also makes their mood um, less positive, more negative, and they feel more sleepy. So is this the first kind of study to look at the effects of phone walking on your mood? Because it seems pretty extraordinary if it is, because it's something that everyone does every day. Yeah, there's lots of studies that have looked at how um, walking with a mobile phone can cause more accidents. You know, like you might walk into an object or you might unfortunately get hit by a car, you know, traffic accidents. But this is the first study to look at how it affects your mood. So in general, does doing multiple things at the same time stress us out or is, is it an individual thing? Like maybe some people are better at multitasking than others. 
generally when you're multitasking you are distracting yourself from one activity compared to another activity it doesn't seem to be that some people are better at it than others I think um, you might think you're better at it than others but that's not what the evidence suggests do you have any advice for young people who want to get the most out of their walks in nature because we often think we're doing a good thing if we go for a walk even if we take our phone we chuck on a podcast we're replying to some messages we're outside and we think we're getting all the benefits but we may not so do, do you have any advice yeah I mean I think if you're going out to to uh, walk in nature you're best not to look at your mobile phone you know keep glances to any messages to a minimum and um, use your phone for taking photos of nature and taking those memories back home with you yeah it sounds like we still need to figure out a way of incorporating phones into our daily life in a healthy way that we've had phones especially young people have had phones as part of their everyday existence for most of their lives but we still haven't worked out the balance yeah and certainly you know um, connection social connections over technology can be helpful provide social support but you don't want to be too connected to your um, mobile phone that you are not engaging with what's with your surroundings. Hack on Triple J. That was Elizabeth Broadbent, a professor of health psychology at the University of Auckland, and lots of messages coming through from all of you. Someone says, I didn't know this was a trend, but I went for a tech-free walk today. It was really refreshing to have time to actually think and let my mind wander with whatever it wanted, rather than just constantly feeding it information and entertainment. And someone else says, all these influencers going for a walk, pretending they've switched off when they're bringing three cameras and a drone along. (laughs) Not to mention those who feel they're required to boast about it on social media after their so-called hot girl walks. Yeah, people angry that they say TikTok thinks it invented walking. Lots of opinions on that. Hey, it's been a packed podcast. Appreciate your company. We'll be back tomorrow. I'll catch you then. See ya. Pack.